everybody, I'm Hub, and I'd like to welcome you back to another episode of Tighten Up the Defense, the nation's number one podcast that covers both the new Teen Titans and the Defenders. I haven't really checked the numbers on that, but I'm willing to believe it's the number one. If not in the ratings, then at least in our hearts. Hope you've been having a good week. Mine's been going pretty well. Made some important life decisions this week. Decided I'm going to start calling lawnmowers field zambonis. And watched the movie Deathbed. Which, I don't know if you guys have seen it. My suspicion is probably not. It's made in 1977. Not a good movie. Also, yes, the bed does eat people. But it eats other things too. Apples. Fried chicken. Should also point out in no way is the movie a comedy. It is a demonic bed that eats people. And also eats apples and fried chicken. Anyway... You should probably check it out. It's a lot of fun, but terrible. Worst Foley work I have ever heard. Anytime a gate opens, it sounds like a fart. Delightful. Yeah, that's pretty much what I've been up to, so let's get into this comic book. As I mentioned, we will cover a new Teen Titans or Defenders book every week. It is a new Teen Titans week, and we got a doozy for you. We have the new Teen Titans number one, and it's fucking rad! So... Without any further ado, let's ado this. My clinging sense of whimsy turns to pin drop whist as autumn turns to winter and this synopsis. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck that shit means either. I'm running on fumes here, people. Send me in some goddamn synopsis rhymes. New Teen Titans number one, November 1980. The New Teen Titans. Written by Marv Wolfman. Drotted by George Perez. With inks by Romeo Tangal. Princess Coriandar is the prisoner of an alien race of slave traders called the Gordanians. Coriandar is an alien as well. You can tell because her name has a stupid unnecessary apostrophe at the end. Well, that and the fact that she's orange and has hair made out of space fire. Anyway, being the slave of a bunch of slave trading assholes who look like little flatulent Godzillas really isn't Coriander's thing, so she blasts some lasers out of her hands, kills a bunch of the evil gassy lizard men, steals a space shuttle, and escapes. The Gordanians give chase, and casually blow up a moon that gets in their way, but the princess is a badass space pilot and gives them the slip. Hooray! Meanwhile, in stately Wayne Manor, Robin is having that bad dream again, where he, Wonder Girl, Kid Flash, Beast Boy, and Three Strangers are fighting a giant protoplasmic fart monster from another dimension. Bummer. I think we've all had that dream. Suddenly, one of the strangers from his dream, a lady named Raven who dresses like a sexy druid-slash-giant bird, appears in his room and tells him she's been sending him those dreams. Okay. Robin would normally be pretty freaked out, but Raven tells him not to be, so he isn't. Cool trick. Then she uses some more Jedi shit on him and has him call his buddy Wally, a.k.a. Kid Flash, to try to get the Titans back together. Wally politely tells Robin to fuck off and that he's too busy with college to run around in spandex with his teenage pals. Then he hangs up. Raven says that's cool and that she'll handle Wally from here, but she needs Robin to go get Wonder Girl. Robin straps on his cape and short shorts and heads off to round up his super buddy. On his way out, Bruce Wayne, who is secretly Batman, shh, asks if he needs any crime-fighting help, but Robin tells him, no, I can do it by myself, I'm a grown-up. You know, like a grown-up would say. Way to be a big boy, Robin. The boy Wonder finds his pal Wonder Girl sifting through the rubble of the apartment where she was rescued as a toddler. I guess that's the sort of thing she does a lot, because Robin knows right where to find her, and after a few seconds, Beast Boy and Wally show up as well. I wonder if she lists that in her dating profile information. 
Name, Donna Troy. Secret identity? Eh, kinda. Hobbies? Crime fighting, sifting through the rubble of apartment where I was rescued as a toddler, and go-go dancing. Turnoffs? Pushy people, being mind control into strangling cats, and coherent origin stories. After talking to Raven, Wally has gone from being super opposed to a Titan reunion to being totally in favor of a Titan reunion, which seems suspicious, but also... Hooray! Meanwhile, in Newark, New Jersey, a young Victor Stone is trying to convince his old coach to let him compete on the college sports team. His argument is that he can run real fast, is crazy strong, and can jump 30 feet in the air. Hmm. I'm convinced. Seems like he'd be pretty good at sports. The only downside is that he can do that stuff because he is a cyborg. I guess this coach has never seen Teen Wolf, Air Bud, MVP, Most Valuable Primate, or Gladys the Field Goal Kicking Mule, because rather than leaving through a pamphlet and thoughtfully exclaiming, well, there's nothing in this rule book that says a cybernetic man can't play college sports, the coach sadly shakes his head and tells Victor that it wouldn't be fair to the other student-athletes. Aww. As the coach leaves, Raven shows up and offers Victor a spot on a different team. When Vic steps out of his sweatsuit and reveals the extent of his cybernetic augmentations, Raven stares at him creepily. Like Garfield would stare at a lasagna. If, you know, Garfield really wanted to fuck a lasagna. Her open-mouthed creepy stare is interrupted by the arrival of the rest of the Titans. They bond briefly over the fact that Beast Boy is incredibly annoying. Then Raven gets a psychic flash that their final new teammate is in danger and needs their help, and the Titans rush off into the night. They arrive at the UN building and find that it is under attack by Gordanians, the flatulent little Godzillas from the beginning of the story. The teens mix it up with the lizard slave traders and are doing pretty well but not great when the lizard men suddenly withdraw from the battle. Raven senses that their new teammate, who I'm going to go on record as guessing is Princess Coriander, we can see how that pans out, is somewhere nearby. But she needs to take a little nap before she can go all Doctor Strange and send her astral form out searching. Turns out that having your body separated from your soul for more than a few minutes really sucks. Fair enough. Meanwhile, in a shitty part of town, Grant Wilson and Carol Sladkey are having a bit of a spat. It seems their relationship was already on the rocks when Grant found an unconscious scantily clad orange lady and decided to bring her home and put her in his bed. Hmm. Interesting choice, Grant. He tries to explain that he thought nursing her back to health would be a fun project they could do together, but Carol isn't having any of that. Before Carol gets a chance to reconsider her stance on recreational medical care for an alien as a couple's activity, all hell breaks loose. The orange lady in question is Princess Coriander, the original Spice Girl herself. I'm so sorry, I've been sitting on that one for the better part of two issues. Couldn't be helped. She wakes up and yells some shit in Alien. Raven shows up and tries to use her powers to heal her, but maybe on her planet, a creepy lady dressed as a giant bird materializing out of thin air doesn't have the same calming effect it does on Earth, because Coriander freaks out and tries to run away. The Gordanians show up and grab her. Then the Titans show up and try to grab the Gordanians, but it's too late. The farty lizard men scram back to their ship, leaving a weird vacuum thingy in their wake that almost sucks Cyborg, Beast Boy, and Wally into deep space. Fortunately, Wonder Girl is there to lasso them back to Earth. Grant is all pissed off that his shitty apartment is wrecked, but Robin says he'll cover it and calls Grant friend in a really dismissive way. <laughs> nice one, Dick. Aboard the Gordanian ship, the captain is pretty stoked to have recovered their captive. He bullies the shit out of one of his underlings named Weezak and is about to bully him some more when he's interrupted by the violent arrival of the Teen Titans. Hooray! Beast Boy, Wally, and Donna smack Weezak and his buddies around for a while while Robin rescues a once again unconscious Coriander. She wakes up long enough to kill a bunch of Gordanians with her laser fists, and then passes out again. 
Meanwhile, it turns out that in addition to being a star athlete, Cyborg is a super scientist capable of rewiring alien technology and setting it to self-destruct at a predetermined time. So he does that. Handy guy to have around. The teens jump out of the spaceship, which I guess is hovering just like 100 feet off the ground, just before it explodes. Hooray! The new Teen Titans stand around and congratulate each other on a job well done. Then Raven tells them they will face much greater threats in the future. Wally gazes lovingly at her. Then Grant Wilson shows up with some off-camera buddies who call themselves The Hive and tells them to destroy the Titans. Oh no! I can see why Carol didn't want to rehab an orange lady with that asshole. And joining us once again is my good for many things brother, Corey. Corey, how's it going? It's going good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. You went to fucking Hawaii. Woohoo! Is, is that a Hawaiian greeting? Uh, no. No, oh, I was just a happy sound. It was a nice place to be. Ah, glad to hear it. Mm-hmm. So, not about Hawaii, because I know what you think about that. Mm-hmm. You liked it. I liked It was it. like a pie, regular style, not made out of steel. No steel. Okay. Zero percent. What do you think of the issue? This was a delight. Yeah, it was fucking rad. Mm-hmm. It was really good. Yep, lots of stuff happened. It was well drawn. It was well written, too. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it, it was, honestly, I was a little bit concerned after reading the DC Comics Presents issue where it introduced them. And, you know, we, I, I talked to you about what some of the problems were and how that they weren't kind of inherent in the type of story that was being told. But it did make me not as enthusiastic about going forward and reading this and... No, man, I'm stoked about this. Yeah, me too. Cool. So, ton of stuff to talk about. What what were some things that jumped out with you about this story? Beast Boy, who I think I'm going to refuse to call Changeling. Yeah. Is used as a kind of comic relief character, but he's kind of super annoying. He's more than kind of super annoying. He's super annoying. Here's the thing. I'm not sure to what extent he is being used as a comic relief character and how much of that is character building. Because... He is annoying as fuck, but I think in story he's supposed to be as annoying as fuck. Mm. You know how, like, with Spider-Man stories, like, he keeps this constant flow of banter, and there's kind of a running joke with other heroes about how annoying Spider-Man is? Sure. But Spider-Man's charming, and his jokes are actually pretty funny? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, Garfield isn't charming, and his jokes aren't funny. No. Uh, But I think that totally rings true to the type of character that he is being portrayed as, who is a super insecure younger than the rest of the group and trying to act older and trying to be like, hey, no, man, we're all grown-ups here, right? Mm-hmm. And also, is he, he makes a, again, very Spider-Man-esque reference in, in when you see his thought bubbles about, why am I even making these stupid corny jokes? I'm mm-hmm. just doing it because I'm so scared. Or, yeah, to keep himself from going totally bazonkers. Yeah. And I think that, that kind of works, but you're right. He's super fucking annoying. Mm-hmm. And... There is a point in which he kind of crosses the line from being just annoying to just being like, dude, he's creepy with the lady characters. Like, really creepy. Mm-hmm. And I think that's him putting on a big show, and like that does read true to me as like a young teenage trying to be cool. And especially, this came out in 1980, but it's over the fucking line. Bugged me. Yeah. Specifically, there there's a couple of points. One in which Wonder girl calls him on it i think and says like you chauvinist pig and he says yeah oink oink and turns into a a pig pig. Mm -hmm. and it's like yeah i sure am and i was like oh fuck that's right and you see a lot less of that these days but i remember growing up and having it be kind of a thing like there was a certain type of guy andrew dice clay 
Yeah, who was like, you would see t-shirts that would just be like, chauvinist pig and proud. Mm -hmm. I had, I was bartending a while ago and somebody was like, yeah, well, you know, that's me. I'm pretty sexist about a lot of stuff. And it's like, that's not okay. Mm -hmm. Like, that's not the kind of thing that that's like, I'm just keeping it real. That's like, basically, it's the equivalent of being just like, well, I know some people don't like it, but I'm pretty darn racist. Yeah. It's like, fuck you. No, that's not keeping it real. That's not not being politically correct. That's you're being an asshole and you're behaving in a way that isn't okay. And don't just say like, hey, that's just who I am. Recognize it as a problem and work on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Don't just go turn into a little green pig. Yeah, don't just turn into a little green pig. It doesn't make him okay. Although, if every time somebody did that, they did then turn into a little green pig, hmm. it'd be kind of cute. That would. It would be. It, I mean, granted, also recognize that as a problem that you have and work on it. Mm-hmm. But if you can ever turn into a little green pig, just fucking do. Yeah, he also turns himself, uh, Beast Boy, into a. He's a dog, right? Which is, I think, another metaphor for men behaving was badly that the- and jumps into uh, Wonder Girl's arms and she's like, what the heck is going on? And it takes a minute for, it's such a weird situation, she can't really parse it and then he's like... Well, oh, it's also uh, kind of shocking to us because we haven't seen that Beast Boy's going to be in this issue yet. Mm-hmm. He had just been kind of following Robin. I thought it was also a, 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 sm- a baby hippopotamus at first, the way that the <laughs> dog was talking. I think. <laughs> I was like, this is so weird, what is happening? It was, it was a little bit startling. Garfield Logan, pretty creepy. In short, yes. Yes, and annoying. He is not the only creepy Teen Titan, though, because Raven came across as super creepy to me. How so? Well, she's manipulating people's emotions, which I'm not chill with. Mm-hmm. That didn't strike you as, like, oh, that's not cool. No, not really. I mean, it's not now that you say it. Sure, it's <laughs> not cool at all. I don't like to be emotionally manipulated as much as the next person well and she's not like emotionally manipulating them like sending them on guilt trips she's like making a dude fall in love with her so that he'll do whatever she says yeah I, at so least that's the impression the, i get that's what's going on with kid you Flash. don't think it's just a like just, a crush just wally being he's just like, like taking wow. advantage of a crush yeah honestly i think that's the sort of thing that would have made sense in the old teen titans run that we followed this is a more mature this wally, wally has a different character not even necessarily more mature but more serious Speedy's not there to bring out the worst in him. Yeah. Well, maybe that's part of it. It actually ties into something I want to get back to, which is... I'll get back to it. But yeah, there's a couple of points where Raven comes across as super creepy to me in this. One is when Robin is talking to her and is saying, like, I... This should be weird to me. I have problems with this. And she's like, yeah, but you don't, right? Totally Jedi mind-fucking him. Because she has a goal that she needs to be accomplished. But that doesn't make what she's doing okay and that kind of emotional manipulation really bothers me and and it makes me not like her unless it's mr jupiter handing out drug balloons for the owner. if she had <laughs> gone about this in a forthright manner like dressed up, up like an old balloon vendor which is totally forthright yeah okay and handed them <laughs> drug balloons and dosed them for their own good i would have been one hundred percent. But she doesn't dress up like a creepy old balloon vendor. She dresses up like a sexy druid slash bird. It's a pretty pretty dope getup. It's not a bad getup. The other point in which I found her very creepy, and, and like Robin kind of notices that she's manipulating Kid Flash, but he doesn't notice that she's manipulating him, mm-hmm. which I actually thought was kind of a nice touch. Mm-hmm. When she's talking to Cyborg, and he's like just jumped over some shit and is like. 
let me be on all the sports teams. I'm dope at sports. I'm even super dope at sports now. And the coach is just like, no, man, you, you stop doing this, please. This is making me very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I don't know why he agreed to go meet him at the track at midnight. I, I guess like he's presumably has a fairly close relationship. For old time's sake. Yeah. Because he was a great athlete before right. he was and, and, cyborged. And I think he had like a, a teacher mentor like relationship with cyborg and they were probably pretty tight Mm -hmm. uh star athlete coach but the part where he takes off his jumpsuit and reveals that he's all cyborged up raven's reaction to that is super fucking creepy she is just staring straight ahead and then when he takes out and reveals that he's basically like a robot in a little silver bikini um (laughs) she just keeps staring at him doesn't say anything but just parts her lips slightly it's she that i'm gonna find it and show it to you maybe she likes that though yeah no i i think that she does like that (laughs) okay got a thing for cyborgs you know oh yeah she oh yeah and it zooms in on her face too yeah it's creepy she's like hmm yeah you'll do and then like he's like (laughs) oh my bones aren't calcium they're unshatterable molybendum steel and she's like oh yes Mm. yes they are Mm. But the fact that she doesn't say anything to him during that entire exchange, really, she's just like, mm. I think it's Ooh. keeping with her uh, her character. Yeah, it's she's mysterious. Her, she's creepy. She she's creepy and manipulative, and I, I don't care for it. Okay. And she also she has another thing with her interactions with Cyborg are weird because she's also the one who is just like, come on, do some science at this thing. You're you're half robot. Yeah, you should be good at computers. Yeah, so he's got to deal with not just regular racism, being one of the few black superheroes in the DC comics at this time. Mm-hmm. He also has to deal with, like, crazy R2-D2 racism, where she's like... <laughs> Define that? Oh, you're, you're part robot. Surely you have a doodad you can plug into a machine and make it open doors for you. <laughs> oh, wow, I never thought about that. But that's totally what she basically says, and she's like, well, yeah, come on, your dad was a scientist. He's like, yeah. I'm a teenager who's good at football until I had an accident. Well, I don't want to be an apologist for R2-D2-ism, but (laughs) she does say, yeah, your dad trained you. And he's like, yeah, I guess he did. Yeah, I know. That was the part that that's like, oh, come on. (laughs) He's like, I'll just plug this doohickey in. I'm not just... I'm not just the best athlete ever. I'm also the best at computers because like he is on an alien spaceship and he just intuitively knows how to rewire it to make it do a fairly complicated thing, which is explode after a timer. Well, it's just it's the blue wire, clearly. Is oh yeah, you take got, away you, from oh, that. You gotta do the blue wire. Well, he probably learned that by plugging the doohickey into his head. Dude, now you're R two D twoing him. That's what he said. Those were his words. I'm not okay with his portrayal of robots. <laughs> That's noted. Uh, what do you think about this Grant Wilson character? What the fuck's his problem? Dude. What a dick. In so many ways. Not just a dick, but stupid. And who is this? Um, is Hive or HIVE? Is that a, a pre existing we'll thing in this to, universe? Uh, not particularly. Okay. We will get to learn more about that. Because somehow he knows these. Yeah, bags, yeah. I'm assuming. Wow. Douchey by association. I, I like his approach. That he, the way he brought home Starf, like he found an unconscious space lady who fell through his roof and then like brought her home mm-hmm. to take care of her with his 
girlfriend who wants to break up with him. It really struck me as the like, honey, I think we need to break up. We should get a puppy and raise it together. Mm -hmm. It's like, maybe we should have a new baby. Yeah, that'll fix it. Yeah. But it is that kind of an approach that he has. It's like, no, here's a project we could work on together. I found a golden girl. Yeah, you're not going to abandon poor Rue McClanahan, are you? Nope. Well, yes, she is. Oh, oh, right. The, <laughs> the girlfriend. Oh, she's already... You're just saying that you would never abandon Rue McClanahan. It wouldn't be proper. No. But um, he seems like a real dick. Yeah. Despite, I mean, genuinely altruistic act of helping take care of an injured person who you'll find. Uh, mm, would... I don't know. It could have been creepy. Yeah, it could have been. But the fact that he he's like, look, honey, look what I found. Mm-hmm. That, that makes it... That takes some of the teeth out of the idea that it's just like... Ooh, unconscious, pretty alien lady. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is kind of Beast Boy's approach. Yeah. 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 So I said I wanted to get back to something when that I was talking about before. The thing that I want to get back to is I had said previously that I wanted to de-emphasize the teen aspect of it. Because mm-hmm. this doesn't seem like it's teenagers. Mm-hmm. I'm going to walk that back a little bit. Mm-hmm. Because it's so dramatic all of the characters react so overly dramatically to everything Mm -hmm. the emotions of everyone are amped up to fucking 11 this is super Mm teenagery it's just not the younger person like like the younger person looking up to teenagers Mm -hmm. version of teenagery or the hey let's build a clubhouse like 60s version of teenagery Mm -hmm. this is a super teenage read and more so in some ways because the characters view themselves as being adult Mm-hmm. And it's really well done, and it really, really works. Yeah, I can see that. So, beginning of the book starts off with Starfire, or Coriander, but spelled with a bunch of apostrophes, so it's an alien, Coriander. not a spice. <laughs> Coriander. I fucking hate the convention of, it's aliens, so they have apostrophes. Dude, aliens have us the right to use vowels just like the rest of us. Just... You don't need those apostrophes. I think they figure if there's a a glottal stop, it makes it sound more weird. Unworldly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like Hawaiian. (laughs) Yeah. Ooh. They have an excess of vowels. Yeah, but they got like all vowels. But there's a ton of apostrophes. I think you could have made some extra cash smuggling some consonants in there. Oh. It's like, like blue jeans to Soviet Russia. Just like... Roll off that airplane with just a suitcase full of consonants. Let uh, sleeping dogs lie, my friend. Okay. I don't know what you mean by that. It means I don't want to get in trouble smuggling consonants (laughs) to vacation places. Okay. Fair enough. I don't think there's anything inherently otherworldly about not using your fucking vowels. So how do you say Coriander's name, though? I just say it Coriander. And actually, it often gets shortened to Cori. Aww. Which will be confusing. Mm. Yeah, I don't have any solar bolts or uh, what are they called? Space lasers. The thing she shoots out of her. I think hands. they're called solar bolts and space lasers. Star bolts. Star bolts. That's it. Okay. <laughs> I like your I like your names for them better. Thank you. So yeah, starts off with her. She has been sold into slavery. Mm. She is escaping from the slave traders. Mm-hmm. She kills a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. Do you have any problem with that? They seem like bad guys. You don't have a problem with superheroes killing bad guys? Depends on the context, but, you know, no. Okay. I kind of do, but I got no problem with this. Mm. Fucking 
slave traders, kill as many of them as you fucking want. Mm-hmm. I'm sure the universe will make more. But also, I, I think it's <laughs> nice because it, it serves as kind of character establishment. I think it's kind of a character building thing that they did there where it's establishes her her views on killing these guys i think it is her approach to battle and it's trying to establish that she was raised under different circumstances she's a warrior Mm -hmm. and she doesn't view anything wrong with killing them it's the beginning of an era in which there are more superheroes who are kill crazy (laughs) for, for lack of a better word this is like when the punisher is a little bit before but the punisher starts getting more popular after a little while and in general, I don't think it's a great trend. But this isn't really glorifying it. It's establishing her as non-human. And I kind of like it. Mm. And also, fuck it. I'm happy whenever slave traders get killed in any work of fiction. And, you know, mm-hmm. in real life too, I guess. Yeah, well, I mean, and these guys... Oh, they're assholes. Are... And it does a very good job establishing that mm-hmm. they are assholes. Yeah. With a character who has one line named Weezak. Weezak's boss is such a dick. <laughs> but Weezak's response to that dickishness is pretty awesome, too. He doesn't really do anything. He belches in surprise. It's oh, his, only, right. his only reply. <laughs> and it's not the first time that he belches. Those are Weezak's only lines. He just burps. It's not his only lines, because he first says, like, hey, we did that thing you asked us to. And then his boss just is like, Oh, stop thinking you're so great, Weezak, you stupid asshole, Weezak. Oh, I hate you, Weezak. Hey, Weezak, how about I take a whole bunch of money out of your salary? You're okay with that, aren't you, Weezak? Because otherwise I'll have to kill you like I killed your boss. And then, then Weezak starts burping. Maybe he's yeah. just nervous gas. Yeah. Well, fuck it. That is not the first time that these aliens have appeared gassy. No? Uh, you were the one who described their propulsion method. <laughs> What did you describe them as? Fart jetpacks? <laughs> yeah, fart packs? they're flying around on fart jetpacks. It's totally what it looks <laughs> You were like. reading the comic book. I was in the other room. You started laughing out loud. It doesn't. It's like, what is it? And you're like, they're flying around on fart jetpacks. It's, um, <laughs> it's like going all over the place. Very yeah. stinky bad people. Yeah, they, they do seem genuinely awful. There, there's also, like, while they're chasing her, fucking you get an example of, A, how valuable she is to them, and B, what assholes they are, mm-hmm. when they just blow up a moon like it ain't no thing as they're chasing her. Mm-hmm. Because it is between her and them. Mm-hmm. Like, to save themselves 15 seconds, they blow up a goddamn moon. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck the moon. Yeah, no, the moon, the, the moon's a piece of shit. We're in agreement on that. Fuck the moon. We don't need it. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, which moon? The, that moon that they blew up? Dude, moons. Oh, we kind of need them, don't we, for oceans and stuff? Yeah, they, uh, you know what? There's a lot of lip service given to that. I think the ocean would be just fucking fine if we didn't have tides. Mm. You know what? Blow up the fucking moon. I'm sick of it. Okay. Strutting around up there like it's such hot shit. She calls some of those alligator guys they hate moons. I don't think they hate moons. I think they just are like, eh, there's a moon there. I'm kidding. Moons are fine. I like the moon. The moon's okay. We can keep it. We can keep it for now. But Moon, if you step out of line. Good night, Moon. <laughs> Good night, Moon. <laughs> well done, Corey. Thank you. Yeah, those alien guys are a bunch of fucking dickwads. Totally fine with them getting waxed. So there was another, there was a callback that I kind of appreciated. Hmm. When we first see Wonder Girl, what's she doing? Digging through the rubble of the apartment where Wonder Woman found her? Yeah. 
And what's kind of nice about that is we read the story mm-hmm. that this is a direct follow-up to. Why did they do that, do you think? Why did who do what? The writers do the like super brief origin story flashback thing for her. Well, I think that they did that because there had previously been no origin to Wonder Girl. Oh, we just read it out of We cycle. saw we read the first appearance of Wonder Girl. Mm. We read it in cycle. There was some confusion when they created Wonder Girl because I think Bob Haney had seen her on a cover of another thing and didn't realize that that was Wonder Woman when she was younger. Mm. It was a flashback story. Mm. And so it was like, is there a Wonder Girl? Yeah, I saw a picture of her. Okay, so Wonder Girl's in this comic book. And then after <laughs> like three issues down the line, it's just like, oh shit, I don't think there was a Wonder Girl before. Oh, Haney. So he had a full full head of steam. And I think enough people wrote in and asked questions about, so what's going on with her being a Wonder Girl? Mm-hmm. That they decided they needed to establish her origin. And what's nice is that was... One of the first Marv Wolfman writing assignments at DC Comics. Mm. This was after he had the ill-fated issue 20 where he tried to introduce a black character mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. got told, no, 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 no. As a matter of fact, you don't write here for another two years. The brief exception to that was he did a backup story that hinted at Wonder Girl's origin. And then this is the first chance we've had to follow up on that. It's nearly 10 years later at this point, Ooh. which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. I, I like the continuity. It's it's a nice little throwback. Yeah, it was kind of fun having read that previously, too, where I was like, I was like oh, I know this. Yeah, it's like getting a little Easter egg. It's mm-hmm. like, hey! Mm-hmm. Which, you got to believe that most of the people that were picking up this comic at this point didn't get that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I thought I thought that was pretty fun. We talked a little bit about, about Raven oogling Cyborg once he takes off his tracksuit. Is that how you say that word? Oogling? Yeah. That's how I say it. How do you say it? Ogling? Okay. Either way. Ogling. Yeah. Well, you saw the look on her eye. She was straight up oogling him. Okay. It's a very revealing costume where he's basically wearing no clothes. Mm-hmm. It's just his robo body. Like, he's got the silver bikini type thing. He's got robo speedos. I don't know if he's got... Robo junk? Yeah. <laughs> I'm worried. I don't want to veer into like full on like Kevin Smith territory here, but like, does he have some kind of a cyber dick? (laughs) Wait, what is the? Why did uh, I forget the reason why his dad did this? That he had an accident. We haven't learned yet, really. It's presumed that he he was some kind of accident. It was did it to save his life because I think he says something like, "I would rather be dead." Than mm-hmm. be this because he's super pissed at his dad. Mm-hmm. Well, shit. What if his dad just was just like he woke up one day and he was like, "Oh, well, what happened?" You know what'll he's be like, fun? I made you have robot. <laughs> pretty pretty <laughs> cool. Happy birthday. <laughs> Here's the thing. First of all, kind of a common trope for robo people Same in comic things. books to be like, "Ah, I wish I was dead rather than be part robot. This is the worst." Bah. But what I want to get into more than that is the fact that. Given this predicament that he's in, and he's super self-conscious and pissed off that he's half robot, Mm -hmm. why doesn't he wear that fucking tracksuit all the time? It's a good-looking fucking pink tracksuit with a hood. Looks like a regular guy when he wears it, Mm -hmm. but instead, he decides to jump around naked all the time. Mm -hmm. It's a weird fucking choice. I mean, granted, he's in good shape. Good robo shape. That's a Wolfman question. Or, I don't know, who determines, is it the... I don't know what the creative process looks like, whether it's the, the 
artist. I think the artist the... probably has more to do with the character design. I'm sure there are, there are notes from the writer, and he tries to base it on the vision that the so, writer has. Yeah, Perez was probably just like just robot straps and things are way cooler looking than a tracksuit. Yeah, I get. I don't think that's true though. And but that's, I'm not saying it's true. I'm just probably that's the line of reasoning for the artist at the time. Yeah, but I'm trying to make it make sense within the the framework of the comic book. Like, within the story, I don't know why he would be doing that. That's a noble effort, my friend, but I... It's also kind of the point of the podcast, so if if every question is like, well, the writer must have wanted him to do that, Uh, I understand that is actually the answer, (laughs) but it's not particularly helpful for our purposes. That's right. What are we, we're ringing ringing reason from the... Yes, we are attempting the Sisyphean task Ah. of ringing reason from the four-color world of DC Comics. That's right, my bad. And now occasionally Marvel Comics. Yes. Yeah, no. Yeah. it just seems a weird choice, because it, it's something that happens with, like, uh, like I know Rom the Space Knight is always bitching about that shit. Robot Man from Doom Patrol is always bitching about, like, ah, I hate being a fucking robot, it's the worst. I'm sure it's got mm. its downside. Rom's got mittens. Rob totally has mittens. At least fucking Cyborg has fingers. He should be mm-hmm. thanking his lucky stars for that. Mm-hmm. Changeable hands. Changeable hands? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like, he doesn't, like, just, like... It's not like Dr. Klon in the Kentucky Fried movie. It's like... <laughs> no, but... It, he, he, like, pulls, a, like, a Transformers throttle. Yeah. No, his And dad, then, like, blasters pop out. His dad keeps making him new hands to get on his good side <laughs> after that whole birthday <laughs> surprise thing. Didn't go over oh, so well. Oh, man. Such a classic divorced dad move. Mm-hmm. <laughs> got you some new blaster. Uh, I, got, I got you some new blaster head, son. Are, are these the kind you're like, no, dad, you idiot. We like different kind. We like sonic blaster heads. Ugh, yeah. fine, I'll take yeah, these. Plasma shit is so last This year. doesn't make up for it. I still like mom better. Hmm. I'm just saying, he's got a nice tracksuit. Why not wear the fucking tracksuit if he's that self-conscious? It plays into a whole thing, which I've brought up with you, I know, before, and I think I've brought up on the podcast, perhaps, before. But up through at least the early 80s, it is so rare for an African-American character to have a fucking whole shirt. Mm -hmm. Like, the general move is you get a V neck shirt that's, like, unbuttoned all the way to to the navel, at least. Or... I think the weirdest example of it would be Black Goliath, who just had a big rectangle cut out over his abs, mm. which was just weird. Like it's like abs and under boob, mm. and it's a it's a bizarre look. But it really did just seem to be like whoa, 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 whoa! Almost, almost gave that black fella a shirt. Can't be having that. Mm. That's not how we do things around comic book land. Yep, it was unsettling. There, there were a couple of exceptions. I mean. John Stewart was a Green Lantern, so he had the full Green Lantern uniform. Mm-hmm. And Black Panther is maybe the only one who debuted early enough that he got out before that trend started. Mm-hmm. Because even like two years later, you get the Falcon who falls under that category. Mm-hmm. But like I did every February, I, I do a thing where I focus on the first appearances of black superheroes. Uh, you can listen to all of those over at the Traveling Through the Bronze Age podcast, but I did one for every day of February different debut of a black superhero and really a good like 90 percent of them did not get shirts and cyborg is continuing that trend Mm -hmm. and i thought they were gonna give him a goddamn shirt when he showed up in that sweatsuit okay i didn't actually think that because i'm familiar with the character before i read the book but i think he should keep his fucking tracksuit 
Also, you like tracksuits. I love tracksuits. They're great. Mm. They got a really sweet yellow one. Yep. Also one that's green and gold. Because mm. it's time to get ill. Yeah, but also they look nice together. Now, there is some weird fashion shit going on in the Wayne household. And by weird, I mean rad as fuck. First of all, Robin's outfit. This has only come up once before, but in like Teen Titans 14, which has the dopest cover ever. Mm. Any time Robin's costume is shown not being fully on already, it really highlights what a ridiculous fucking costume it is. Those scaly green Speedos, man. Yeah, but when he's got the tunic unbuttoned, and then he's like, as you see how he puts it together, it's like, oh yeah, that's all there is to that thing. Mm -hmm. That's a weird fucking outfit, dude. It is super weird. Other things to bring up, sartorially speaking, when he goes downstairs. What is the difference between a cravat and an ascot? Hmm. Okay. That's my that's my sartorial question. Okay. Here's my understanding of it, and I am making most of it up. Okay. <laughs> what you see Bruce Wayne wearing, that's an ascot. Okay. A cravat is what Fred from Scooby-Doo or Mr. Furley would wear. So so it's looser and more knotted and worn like as... Like a freewheeling like bandana is a... Would be more of a cravat. Cravat and an ascot's more like a... Like a, a weird... A poofy tie. Mm-hmm. I think of a cravat being more like a tie and an ascot being more like a... Like a scarf type of thing that is then... Tucked in. Tucked in to create a faux turtleneck sort of look under your smoking jacket. I wonder if that's comfortable. It looks uncomfortable. Here's the thing. It sounds uncomfortable, and generally when you see them, they look uncomfortable. They're probably Bruce Wayne looks comfortable as fuck in that thing. It's probably silk. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Probably. It's probably some kind of crazy billionaire silk mm-hmm. that he got from Mr. Jupiter. Like... Yeah, he looks chilled. He is chilled the fuck out. He's wearing a dope smoking jacket. He's got an ascot on. And he is making use of that smoking jacket by smoking a fucking pipe. Mm -hmm. And just like pauses and is like, Oh, I see you're dressed for battle, Robin. You need some help with that? And Robin's like, No, Dad, I don't need your help with anything. And runs out the door. Yeah. yeah. Which... It's a different take on teenagers. And, and uh, like I say, I, I like it and it, it, there's a lot about it that rings true. It's a very, very difficult time when everything is so important. It's, and that is really you're what... You're going to say, it's a very difficult time for parents. Eh, probably. I don't fucking know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but Bruce Wayne looks fucking a dope. Were you going to say adorable? No, I was going to say dope. Oh. But I threw a little vocal hiccup in there for emphasis. The only other thing I wanted to talk uh, touch on sartorially is the coach's outfit, which I really like. He's just wearing a big windbreaker that says coach on the front and coach on the back. Mm-hmm. And it's a good look. Mm. I have a friend who legally changed his name to coach. I think he would like that. Maybe they could make one. Nope. Can't be done. Nope. Don't have the technology. It's. I suppose you also think we can have uh, fart-propelled jetpacks. Just because you read it in a comic book doesn't mean it can happen. We don't have the technology for fart jetpacks, and we don't have silk screening technology. So yeah, overall, uh, I think that the issue is fucking rad. So this is our first, like, real introduction to the new characters. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on them generally so far? 
We'll start. We we talked about Beast Boy already a little bit and a little bit about Cyborg. What do you think about uh, Starfire? I think she has the potential to be super duper powerful in Mm -hmm. kind of the same way that Wonder Girl is, where you often find yourself wondering why isn't she just solving all of the problems that there are because she's so super duper human. Right. I, I, I can see that being an issue, and especially where you now have two kind of powerhouses on the team with her and Wonder Girl. Mm-hmm. I think it'll be interesting to see how that, that how they work together. And actually, kind of three with, I, I mean, you get the impression that Cyborg is very strong, but he's not really in the same league as them, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool. I, I like that the fact that the two most physically powerful members of the team are both female, which is definitely a switch to how shit generally got portrayed. Mm-hmm. back then there's a weird thing what, what we've talked about raven i think she's creepy you don't think she's creepy i don't get how you don't think she's creepy like she's creepy in a professor x type of creepy way yeah all right you just she definitely she... seems like she's running shit okay. yeah i mean and not... but running shit in a way where she doesn't want anybody to think of her as being the one who's running shit mm-hmm. like i don't think anyone would say that she's the team leader at this point yeah, she is absolutely she's, masterminding everything she, that they're yeah, doing. She totally is. Well, I think she's badass. I think she's badass too, but I also think she's creepy and she's unsettling right now. And I don't like the way that she's using her powers. It strikes me as unethical. Hmm. Like her outfit, though. Yeah, man. Bird shadow. Yeah, face. Sexy thing. druid bird. Yep. Good time, mm-hmm. dude. Have you seen Halloween three season of the witch? Oh gosh, I must have, but I, I it's been so long. It's awesome Hmm. go if you haven't seen halloween 3 season of the witch go watch it it's fucking rad stop the podcast and then come back to it afterwards because i'm gonna give spoilers because you know what you've had more than 30 fucking years to watch this movie so here's the plot of the movie Hmm. first of all it's a halloween movie that doesn't have michael myers in it uh Hmm. john carpenter does the music so the music's fucking rad john Hmm. carpenter music who do you think the uh stunt coordinator for this movie is uh, is it Wen Wu Ping? No, it's Dick Warlock. <laughs> what? Yeah, it's Dick Warlock and Dick Warlock, who is also the stunt double for Kurt Russell in uh, Escape from New York. That's the dude's name for real? His name for real is Dick Warlock. And I learned this from listening to Jane Miles Explain the X-Men podcast, which you guys should totally also do. But yeah, his name is Dick Warlock. And I... I gotta believe at least once he has introduced himself as somebody said name and occupation and he said Dick Warlock, Dick Warlock. (laughs) (laughs) But he also plays an assassin in the movie. The movie, the plot of which is very, very briefly because I could spend all day talking about Halloween 3 season of The Witch. So there's an evil druid who is super good at computers and mechanical toys. He moves to America from Ireland opens a mask factory, and opens a novelty factory. They branch out, start making Halloween masks. Mm-hmm. Seems pretty innocuous. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. See, they stole a big piece of Stonehenge. Oh, no. And then he built a bunch of robots, mm. has them hit Stonehenge with a hammer, and get a bunch of dust out of Stonehenge, mm. puts it inside microchips, puts the microchips on the mask. When the kids wearing the mask watch a certain TV commercial, it turns their heads into bugs and snakes that kill their parents. Oh, is this the, like, eight more days to Halloween? Yes. Thing? Yeah. Oh, shit. And here's maybe the best part. 
in a very, very Bob Rosakis move. When asked why he's doing this, his response is, Do I need a reason? (laughs) (laughs) Ah, seriously, guys, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Tis the season. Get out there and enjoy it. Happy Halloween. Yes. Uh, Also, Tom Atkins plays a alcoholic philandering doctor Hmm. who is the hero of the movie. What? And also reads very much like a C-minus Powers booth. Hmm. Which is still a very good Powers booth. That Hmm. is a passing grade. Okay. I Yeah. Fantastic times. I'm getting just the slightest bit off topic here. Which probably means that we have talked about most of the story of this comic. There are a couple of points I mentioned that I think it's really well written. I had never really understood the book being compared to the X-Men before, which it it has been a lot. It was considered kind of DC's version of the X-Men. And I thought that was mostly just in relation to it was their bestseller versus Marvel's bestseller was the X-Men. I kind of see the comparisons more now. Mm -hmm. The writing style. Mm-hmm. shares a lot in terms of with, with Chris Claremont in terms of very flowery speech that's really well written but also very overly dramatic and also on the downside a lot of redundancy in terms of the caption will say something or someone will say something and then the picture will show what they are describing Mm-hmm. which is kind of frustrating but also kind of funny to me and is one of the segments that we will be introducing in the minutia portion, which is what I'm just going to go ahead and call that because I always end up calling it that anyway. So we will have a show and tell will be one of the things that we are looking for in this issue. But before we get into that, I do want to point out a few moments of Marv Wolfman's writing, one of which I really liked where he says he's describing the section of town that Grant Wilson lives in and... The stench of cheap liquor stains the air. Oh, yeah. I fucking love that. (laughs) That just, it delighted me. The bathroom at the Matador. Oh, yeah, the bar that I used to work at. The the stench of cheap liquor was one of the nicer things (laughs) staining the air in that bathroom. On more than one occasion, I had to clean poop out of a urinal. Oh, no. Yes. (laughs) Corey, people are funny. No, wait. Not funny. Scum. People are scum. Somebody has to clean that up. Yes, me. Oh, man. Yeah. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) I really liked that. There was also a very offhanded mention of the customarily high temperature suddenly drops. And that's what happens aboard the evil slave trader spaceship when Coriander escapes. And it's a really minor point, but I really like that as a world-building thing where it's like, oh, yeah, they're lizard, they're lizard people, so they would have a very high, te- high temperature mm-hmm. in their ship. And I was like, that's actually really cool. Mm-hmm. I liked that. Good attention to detail. Now, let's move on to the minutia. Maybe I'll do a music drop here. Minutia! I was going to use the piece of music from the Titan Hop. I was going to do the... <laughs> what was your song? Manusha. So, we discussed it a bit just now. What was your show-and-tell moment? I had two of them. Okay. The one that I wrote down second, I believe, is, is the front runner for me, and it's on page 18, and it is uh, Kid Flash being sucked into a space vacuum that has ah. been created by one of the evil lizard jerks. Mm-hmm. And he says, vacuum! It's dragging me into it! What was your other one? My other one was on page 8. And I titled it, It's Beast Boy, because uh, it is when the 
hippopotamus slash dog that has jumped onto Wonder Girl's bosom, confusing her very much, mm-hmm. turns into Beast Boy, and Wonder Girl says, Beast Boy? <laughs> okay. I think that's a fair thing, though. Like, I, like, when somebody shows up, you say their name. I think that that doesn't seem as inorganic to me as the one that I chose, which was, they've just escaped from the spaceship and rescued Princess Coriander. <laughs> I think you mean Princess Coriander. Oh, I'm sorry. My crazy spaceman accent is a bit rusty. I mean, you need to Princess work on your accent. Coriander. There you go. Is that how it's said? Pretty much. Oh, man. They descend almost as one, using their powers to lower them to safety. And it's a picture of them all using their powers to lower themselves to safety. And it just, that that seems like a kind of radio play moment to me that, that is unnecessary captioning. I will say there is less of this in this issue than there was in the 16-page preview that we covered last week. Mm. But yeah, that, that was my choice for this issue. That aside, mm. did you have a favorite zinger? It's it's not really so much of a zinger, but it's what we touched on before, and it was more so just to me how fucking creepy Beast Boy's creeping is in mm-hmm. this. And it's, His and creeping it's a, is very creepy. Yep, and it's the scene in which Wonder Girl um, calls him an insufferable chauvinist. That's fair. Which, you know, it's not really a zinger, it's more so just accurate, but it also is just like calling him out on his shit directly, which I appreciated. I appreciate that too. It is... Very often useful to take the direct approach in such matters. Mine was a more subtle zinger. There were a number of actual things of like Cyborg calling Beast Boy a jerk. I feel like a lot of like that's his go to. Beast Boy, too. Yeah, like a lot of these because he. Fair enough. And he, he, he slings some stuff around, too. But my favorite, it's a little moment, and it's Robin talking to Grant Wilson. And they bust through the wall like Kool Aid Man. And wreck his apartment. And he gets all blustery towards Robin and grabs his arm and says, Hey, you creeps busted up this place. What are you going to do about it? And Robin's response, You'll be compensated, friend. Now kindly take your hand off of me. Mm-hmm. To me, that comes out being much more of a put down than anything else in the issue. Mm-hmm. And I really like it. I thought he played it cool. He totally, sure. he, he played it cool, but also just like, yeah, fucking don't sweat it. And don't fucking touch me. Mm-hmm. I, I always like that using the word friend, friend. in a menacing fashion. Yeah. friend, yeah. pal, buddy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so that that was my favorite of those. I used that once. Yeah? Uh-huh. At a movie theater. A guy pulled out a cell phone and started talking. And I turned around and I said, take it outside, buddy. Oh, nice. Which is super out of character for me. It totally is. I like it, though. I got, I was... Not fit. as out of character as I really thought you had said friend. And I was like, oh, man, because that's even more menacing. <laughs> I know. I wish I had in retrospect. Yeah. Good for you. Thanks. He hung up the phone. Good. Yeah. Did he take it outside? No. Oh, that's kind of too bad. Was yeah, it awkward watching the rest of the movie with him Super there? awkward. Yeah. He was right behind me the whole time. <laughs> he was big, too. I didn't uh, know that. I said it, and then I turned around, and I was like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> what have I done? Did, did you try to walk it back at all? I was like, I mean, buddy? <laughs> no, I just turned around yeah. like nothing had happened. Good call. Okay, what was your favorite panel? Boy, the artwork in this is so... It is gorgeous. It's George Perez and Romeo Tengal do an amazing job on this. Yep. It's nobody does team superhero books like George Perez. It looks... It's beautiful. Yeah, it's like there's so much going on in 
every panel and there are not corners cut like yeah. the detail and the perspective is really well done it would have been easy to get sloppy they don't mm-hmm. and i think one of the best instances of that is on page 13 in a spread that i titled alien fart attack <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's the beginning of chapter two new york nightmare and there's just a shit ton of things going on. The moon is full and yellow in the sky. There's apartment buildings. There's spaceships. There's bad alien people farting around everywhere. There's titans flying yeah. around. There's people, cops are getting lasered. It's amazing. Yeah, it's it's really, really nicely drawn. I have a very different panel that I chose. And it does lead us into a new category that we are introducing this week. Mine is on page 19. And I call it, for obvious reasons, Womb! (laughs) And it is when Wonder Girl is dragging them out of the vacuum vortex. And when she finally manages to, there is a huge sound effect that makes a womb noise. And the way the panel is drawn, it looks like the letters of the word are actually knocking them out of place. And they're sent scattering by it. And it's just really cool looking. And the new category that that brings us to is favorite sound effect. Mm. Now, for me, although I was tempted, it is not the womb. What? Nope. My favorite sound effect is a few pages later. Is it on page 25? It might be when they blow up the ship. Cree Cree Blamo! (laughs) Yeah, that is awesome. Cree Blamo's your choice, too? Yeah, I had a few, and the, but they were all kind of along that line, and then they built up to it. There was Screek Croc, Croc Boom, and then Cree Blamo. Well, and the sound effects thing does bring me into one slight quibble that I have with the issue. Sometimes when the aliens talk, we get translations of what they're saying, mm-hmm. and sometimes it's just weird alien hieroglyphics. Mm-hmm. And there didn't seem to be any real rhyme or reason to why it was one instead of the other, except for potentially the writer not wanting to bother writing the dialogue mm-hmm. and being like, oh, they say some alien shit in Alien. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, if you want to have that, that's fine. But then we don't get the Weezak, you piece of shit Weezak speech. I feel like kind of should have chosen one or the other. And he does it with the evil alien douchebags, and he also does it with Starfire to a certain extent, Mm -hmm. where sometimes we get translations of what she's saying or thinking, and sometimes we get alien scribble hieroglyphics. Mm -hmm. I'm not crazy about that. But that is a very small problem I had with an issue that was a fucking delight. Mm -hmm. Every issue, we choose a Aqualad, who represents the best that the Titans have to offer, and a Speedy, who represents the worst that the Titans have to offer. I've been re-explaining this, A, to reset the table for it, and to give Corey time to reconsider who he considers each one of those things. Thank you. No problem. What you got, buddy? (laughs) I I think, uh, you know, despite his complaining about things, I think that Cyborg actually acquitted himself very well. Um, he He blew up the alien spaceship. He did? used his changeable arm laser to fight off the bad guys, and Mm -hmm. he also almost sacrificed his entire arm trying to keep them from getting dragged into the space vortex. He he did, and he was one of my choices, too. For me, it came down to either him or Wonder Girl, uh, mostly because Wonder Girl 
did rescue them from getting sucked into the vortex. She did great. And she, yeah, she does a great job. I'm giving the slight edge to Cyborg this time, but it was kind of a toss-up with me. Cyborg, congratulations. You are this issue's Aqualad. Now, who is this issue's Speedy? I think that's pretty easy. Uh, I'm going to go with Beast Boy. Okay, that's a fair choice. I am going to go with Raven. What? I think that it is immoral the way that she is using her power right now. And it bothers me. Mm. I had it down to Beast Boy or Raven, and I decided to, to go with Raven a little bit more on this mm. one. Okay. It is interesting to point out, though, like how much Beast Boy is shown differently in this issue than he has been in previous appearances. And I think it kind of makes sense with some of the things that have happened to him. He's seen his whole basically adopted family die at this point, and he really wants to belong. But he is also so insecure, not just in terms of how he belongs socially with the group, but in terms of his fighting, which is not something we've seen from him before. Mm -hmm. There's a scene where they're fighting a whole bunch of aliens, and he is turning into a giant snake and doing pretty well against one of the aliens, and he asks Robin for help. Mm -hmm. I'm like, Robin's the only dude there that doesn't have any powers. You can fucking turn into an elephant and sit on this dude, and you want help? fighting him this is weird and this is not the beast boy we've seen before mm-hmm. i think there may have been a dial back on how his powers work at this point but he still is turning himself into like chimpanzees and mm-hmm. who are crazy strong they're super strong and leopards and shit mm-hmm. and like seems like he could fuck up an alien alligator pretty good yeah he could so, turn yeah. into a what's the alligator's natural enemy man he could turn into a man <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. This has been really, really fun. I've gotten some really nice feedback from a lot of listeners uh, who seem to be liking the first couple of episodes of the new season that we've put out. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can do so at ttwasteland at gmail.com, or you can find our Facebook page, or we are on iTunes, and you can leave us a review. We've gotten a couple of new ones, and I really appreciate those, especially with the changeover of name. I'm worried we're going to drop a few listeners who may not realize, but right now, almost everywhere it is, I've changed the names of things to tighten up the defense instead of uh, Teen Titan Wasteland. So if you're looking for us, look under Tighten Up the Defense. That's T-I-T-A-N, Up the Defense. Yeah, if you could drop us a review on iTunes, that would be great. If you would like to send me an email, I love getting emails. I've gotten a number over the last week, and it's been really nice, and I try to respond to them as quickly as I can. Yeah, this has been rad as fuck. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for being on board. You can also follow us on Twitter at at TTWasteland underscore. Ah, uh, Blamo? Touch me not. <laughs> oh. See, I feel like that needs to be Defender-specific. Oh, yeah. We will be back next week with Marvel feature number two. We're going back to the Defenders next week, and then we will talk some more Teen Titans week after next. Man, I can't wait to find out what the Defenders are up to. Can't wait to find out what the new Teen Titans are up to. And they know it. Versus the League of Assassins. The League of Assassins has chosen its next victim, the Caped Crusader himself. Womp, bop, fight noises. The League of Assassins has developed the martial arts into a deadly science. Too close for comfort. Their hands are deadly weapons. Chop. But I know a way to change that. 
Hostess Twinkies Cakes? Let me get my hands on them. I loved the creepy feeling. Give me the golden sponge cake. The situation is well in hand. Now that the League of Assassins is all wrapped up, I can head home. Yeah, <laughs> so bad. It's, it seems that he says that like it's a pun, but it's not. <laughs> you get a big, big delight, delight in every bite of Hostess Twinkies Cakes. cakes. <laughs> <laughs> so dumb. <laughs>